0: At loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson.
1: Our Messiah, our Lord and Savior, Jesus of Nazareth, I have a question. Did he die because he was crucified? Now, we know he was crucified, and we know that he died on the cross. But was crucifixion the cause of death? And we're going to see, in an undeniable way, it was not. There was another reason that he died while being crucified. And in order to learn the answer why he died, take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Matthew and chapter 27. The book of Matthew and chapter 27. Now, we've been studying for a few weeks about Yeshua on the cross, We have said that this giving of his life, laying down it sacrificially on Passover day, has great significance. It was for this reason, for him to die on Passover, to be our Passover sacrifice. This is the reason that God the Father sent his only begotten son into the world. And we saw that while he was on the cross, there were those who were mocking him saying things to taunt him. Also, there were those who were saying things in order to get him to come down from the cross. They were instruments of Satan. Satan understood the significance of what was going on. And he hated Messiah. He loves to see the Son of God suffer. But then he also knew That this desire for enjoyment, seeing others in pain, and that's what Satan wants. He rejoices in the misery, the suffering, the pain of others. He's addicted to it. And we saw in this scripture that it was he who came into Judas of Iscariot in order that Judas would seek financial payment in order to betray him. We see that the Jewish leadership, not the Jewish people in general, but the leaders, they conspired with the Romans in order to carry out their plan to remove Yeshua from their life, their situation, from having any influence. But God used their disobedience. He did not cause it. He was not part of it, but he used their sinfulness in order to accomplish the greatest act of love, Messiah upon the cross, dying for you and me. And not only was he mocked, not only had he been beaten beforehand, being flogged, but we see something else. We see that while he was on the cross, beginning at the sixth hour, something took place. We concluded last week that darkness covered the entire earth and there was significance of that we learned how darkness related to the first redemption and i'm speaking about the exodus from egypt when god brought forth that judgment upon egypt in order for the jewish people to come out and that mixed multitude we see that darkness he did it in the midst of darkness it happened at midnight And now because of that, there was a principle that the sages taught that it would be with darkness that the redemption would come. And this is why God, in fulfilling not only scriptural truth, but also in order to, to manifest that Yeshua is indeed the Savior, our Redeemer. He died on Passover and at noontime. When the sun had should have been its strongest, there was darkness, miraculously. From the sixth hour to the ninth hour, and we mentioned the number six is the number of grace. And nine speaks about an outcome, a work, a deed, and this is why he was on the cross. He was working out, he was doing a deed that released redemption. It was inherently related to the grace of God. And it was while he was on the cross, shortly before he died, that something most significant took place. And what was that? Well, look with me, as I said, to this 27th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to begin in verse 46. We see here, and around the ninth hour, Yeshua, he cried out, And notice what it says. He cried out with a great voice. Now, anyone will tell you that when one is crucified, they die. If the cause of death is crucifixion, they die by suffocation. Simply, they cannot breathe. And when that happens, because they have less and less air, it becomes more difficult. In other words... Harder and harder for them to speak. And shortly before one dies by crucifixion, what happens? He can only whisper. And that whisper gets softer and softer, weaker and weaker, until he has no power to take a breath and speak. But what do we see here? We're going to learn this is moments before he died. And what does the scripture say not once but twice? And we'll read it in a moment. He cried out with a great, a strong, a loud voice. What does this tell us? This loud voice shouts to the reader. He did not die because he was crucified. Now listen carefully. Was he crucified? Yes, he was. Did he die upon that cross? Yes, he did. Did he die because he was crucified? No, he did not. Why did he die? Well, the scripture is going to reveal that to us. We know something. We know that Yeshua never sinned. He was perfect. He always, always, always submitted to his heavenly father. He never transgressed any of the commandments. He was perfect. But we know something. The Bible tells us that he who was without sin, he became sin for us, meaning this. Your sins, my sins, were placed upon him. And because of that, we see a connection in the scripture. Paul talks extensively about this. For example, in the book of Romans, where he, picking up on what the Torah teaches, there's that inherent relationship between sin and death. Why do people die? Because of sin. Sin entered into the world. What brought about the death of Messiah? Yes, he was crucified. But he died, not because he was crucified. He died because this perfect one, this innocent one, he became sin for us. Our sins, the sins of the world. That's what John tells us in in 1 John. The sins of the world were placed upon him. And therefore, this is what brought about his death. And there's a hint of this in the scripture. Look again at, at verse 46. And around the ninth hour, Yeshua, he cried out with a loud, a great voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Now this is Aramaic, which means, Eli, Eli, my God, my God, lama. Lama is a word which means why. And this next word, why have you forsaken me? Now, why would God the Father forsake me? this faithful one, this only begotten Son of God. The reason is simple. This broken relationship. When Messiah says, why, my Father, have you forsaken me? It was because God is not going to have anything to do with sin. When the scripture says that Messiah became sin for us, That fact, when all of our sins, the sins of the world, were laid upon him, that fact broke this this relationship for a moment between God the Father and God the Son. This perfect intimacy between them. When he became sin for us, it was broken. And this is why the scripture is so important. Where again it says, and the scripture tells us, in the the middle of verse 46, that this Aramaic saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, it means, my God, my God, in order of what, what reason have you forsaken me? So he cries this out with a loud voice. Remember that. That shows that he was not near death because he was suffocating. No, there was an other cause of death, and that is your sins and my sins. This is why he died upon the cross. Furthermore, we see, look now to to verse 47 where it says, and certain ones were there standing. So they were there, they had been there for a while, and they were going to continue to stand there, and they were witnessing all of this. And it says, having heard heard what he had said, they spoke that Elias, that is Eliahu or Elijah. Now we know prophetically, and this is found in the book of, of Malachi, we know that, that Messiah, before he returns, and we're talking about his second coming, when he returns to bring judgment on this earth, when he comes to, defeat the enemies of Israel when he comes to establish his coming, a kingdom. We know that Elijah the prophet is going to come before him. We see a paradigm of that, a a partial fulfillment with John the Baptist, that he came, the scripture tells us, in the spirit of Elijah. But Elijah the prophet, and this is what they read in the prophets in, in Malachi, and so they were saying, This one calls. This one is Yeshua. This one is calling for Elijah. And what happens? Now look at verse 48. And one of them, one of them that were standing there immediately ran. And and having taken a sponge, he filled it with wine. Now what type of wine would this be? It is the wine which speaks of a bitter or sour wine. And again, This has such significance. Why is that? Well, in order to answer that question, you have to understand the Torah. In the book of Numbers in chapter 9, it speaks about Passover. And there it tells us it's actually speaking about the second observance of Passover. We won't go into the details of that now. But it says, for Passover to be fulfilled, that three elements have to be consumed at the same time. What is that? The lamb, the matzah, the unleavened bread, and the bitter herbs. Biblically, it's these three things that need to be consumed that fulfills this Passover service that we read about in the book of Exodus in chapter 12. Well, we know something. We know that Yeshua, that he is the bread of life. He is that unleavened bread. Why? Leaven has to do with sin. He's unleavened. That's what Paul teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. So he is unleavened. He is without sin. He is like that matzah, that unleavened bread. And then secondly, we know that he is the lamb of God. He is our Passover sacrifice. So we have the lamb, we have the unleavened bread, but we're missing something. And that is a biblical requirement to also partake of the bitter herbs. And therefore, what happens? Well, he is there. He cries out. And what happens? One of them. Now, more than likely, this would be one, perhaps, of the soldiers who were witnessing this. There's going to be an emphasis on them in a moment. But nevertheless, one of them, having taken a sponge, he filled it with this bitter wine. And it says that he placed it around a reed. Now, this would be a reed we know in other places of hyssop, also tied to Passover, so he wrapped around this this reed and he extended it up to Yeshua in order to look at the end of verse forty eight in order to give him drink verse forty nine but the others were saying those others who were remaining there, they were saying, "Leave it alone meaning don 't Get involved, leave it alone, and we will see if Elijah should come and that he will save him. So they wanted to witness, they knew the scripture, and they wanted to know, is Elijah coming? Well, here's the problem. Elijah will come, and this has to do with Messiah's second coming when he's going to establish the kingdom. Elijah, that name means, my God is the Lord. And therefore, Elijah's coming back. And we see that there's going to be repentance. He's going to bring about repentance to prepare the people in order that they, that remnant of Israel, that they receive Yeshua. But this is not the purpose that he came the first time. This is not the kingdom coming. This is in order to fulfill what's required for that gospel to be proclaimed. So they were saying, you know, leave it alone. Let us see if Elijah comes and saves him. Now verse 50. But Yeshua again. Now this word again takes that passage that we're looking at, verse 50, and it turns it into something that is emphatic, something that's emphasized. And what's going to be emphasized? What we already have discovered. What has already been told to us, it's going to be said again. And now we have the word again to help us to realize this is important. And we have the repetition to tell us that this is important. And what's so important? Again, look at verse 50. But Yeshua again cried out. How? In that great voice. And what did he do? He gave up his spirit. That is an idiom for dying. Now, the scripture is putting two things together. Yeshua crying out in a loud voice and his death. This tells us plainly that he did not die because he was crucified. Was he crucified? Obviously he was crucified. Did he die upon the cross? We're looking at it right now. Yes, he died upon the cross. Did crucifixion contribute to it? Obviously. But he died, what the scripture is telling us, with this loud voice. He did not suffocate. How did he die? He died because of your sin and mine. The fact that he yelled out tells us that the crucifixion was not the cause of death. Again, verse 50. And Yeshua again cried out with a great voice, And he gave up the spirit. Verse 51. And behold, now we're going to see that that as a result of Yeshua's death, death on the cross, we're going to see that that death brought about some results. There is going to be an emphasis in the text, grammatically speaking, on the passive. Why is that important? The passive voice speaks of something causing an outcome, a result. And therefore, we're going to see some important outcomes, results, because of the death of Messiah. And notice what the first one is. Verse 51, it says, and behold. What does that mean? The word behold means pay attention. This is something important. And behold, the parochet. Now, the parochet is the veil, the veil that's separated The holy place from the most holy place. That is the holy place from the holy of holies. And this veil, no one could pass the veil, only, only the high priest once a year. On Yom Kippur. But we see here something most significant. And behold, the veil of the sanctuary. If your Bible says temple, It would be the word heron, which is the general word for temple. It's not the word heron. It is the word neos in this form, neon, which speaks about the sanctuary, the holy of holies. So here we have it saying, and the the veil of the sanctuary, it was torn. Here's the passive. It was caused to be torn into two. Now, if you know anything and you've studied the book of Exodus, this parochit was thick. It was comprised of several different materials. And it would be hard in order to tear it. But who tore it? Wasn't man. But rather it was God. How do we know that? Pay attention. It says here that this parochet of the Neu, the sanctuary of the sanctuary, was torn into two from top until bottom. Now this is vital. You need to pay attention to all the biblical clues. When it says here, it was torn from top to bottom. This means that it was done by heaven. It was an earthly event that was done by heaven. So we read, it was torn in two, from top unto bottom. And also, what else happened? The land shook. Now, this is a word for an earthquake. And whenever there's an earthquake in the Bible, it says this event has worldwide implications. Whenever there's an earthquake, it says this event matters to everyone. It has implications for all of humanity, all the world. And this is true concerning his death. So there was an earthquake, and secondly, and the rocks were, were, were also split. And not just that, look at verse 52. What's another outcome of Messiah being crucified? Only because of the crucifixion can there be a resurrection unto life. Now, without the crucifixion, people can rise to, as Daniel says in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1, to everlasting shame and contempt in order to receive that that eternal punishment. But the resurrection unto life is only because of the cross. That's why it's important to believe in it, accept it. It says in verse 52, And the tombs were open, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep, and we need to get something right. This is a Hebrew idiom. When it speaks about death in the Bible, it oftentimes says falling asleep. This is not referring to soul sleep. Slow sleep, soul sleep is a false doctrine. When someone dies, for example, if you look at, Abraham's bosom, people were awake. If you were in Gehenom, Hades held the other part of Sheol. People, like the rich man, they were conscious. Nowhere in the Bible does it speak about a soul sleeping. A soul is even, if it's dead, that person's died, that soul is either with God or in torment. But there's a consciousness to that soul. It's not speaking about soul sleep. The reason why it says those who have fallen asleep, it's to tell us that there's going to be a resurrection. As Daniel says, a resurrection unto life or a resurrection unto eternal death and shame and contempt. So as an outcome of the cross, the fact that he paid that price, there can be a resurrection, and this is testified by many of the saints having risen up. And it says here, They came out, look at verse 53, they came out of the tombs with his resurrection. So it was the death of of Messiah upon that cross that gave them life. But they did not come out of the tombs until when? After his resurrection. Why? Paul tells us that Messiah has to have preeminence in all things. He is the firstborn of the dead. So it wasn't until after that first day of the week that Messiah rose and came out of the tomb, that these also came out of the tomb. So, once more, and coming out of the tombs with his resurrection, they entered into where? The holy city, Jerusalem. They entered into the holy city and they manifested themselves to many ones. Verse 54. And the centurion. Now, this is also going to be very important. The centurion is a high Roman officer. He is over at least 100 people up to 999. So he had great responsibility. What would be a centurion there at the crucifixion at the cross? Very simple. More than likely, he was the official who was supervising Who was responsible for crucifixion, carrying it out? Now, he had other people who would do it, but he was there, was his responsibility. And what does it say about him? Again, verse 54. But the centurion and the ones who were with him, watching, this means guarding Yeshua, seeing the sign and all the things that had taken place. What happens? It says, they feared the Saturn and those who were with him. They feared exceedingly. This word means greatly, abundantly. Now, they would have witnessed many crucifixions. But what they had seen, someone crying out with a great voice immediately before he died. They knew with all these other things that had happened, the effects that the cross brought about his crucifixion, his death. It says, they were saying, and notice what they said at the end of verse 54. This is what they were saying, and they got it right. Truly, the Son of God was this one. This one, in other words, was the Son of God. The Bible, not only Yeshua's own words, not only others, but even the Romans, the soldiers, they were moved to say, certainly, and they use the word truly, this one was the Son of God. And there was there many women, and why are women being emphasized here at the end of our study? Because women, when they are emphasized in the scripture, when they take the primary role, hopefully you know it by now, this changes the context. It emphasizes something, and what is that? Redemption. The author wants us to understand All of this is for the redemption of the world. It points to that Yeshua, he's the anointed one. He's the king of kings, Lord of lords, but also never forget that he is our redeemer. So there were there many women. From a distance, they were looking. And we see that these were the ones that followed after Yeshua from Galilee. Why is Galilee mentioned? Every time Galilee appears, we need to remember it's for the purpose of revealing something. The women reveal he is the Redeemer. So they had followed after him from Galilee, and they were ministering. They were assisting him. Finally, verse 56, And among them there was Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of of. Yaakov and Yosef, many Bibles will say James, but it's actually the Greek name for for Yaakov, and also the mother of the sons of Zebedee. What do we see? Testimony that Messiah laid down his life. He was dead, but we're going to see that this one is going to rise from the dead, signifying the kingdom hope that all people can have by faith in what he has done.